So hi, Jason. What was your first computer? Oh, my first computer was a uh, Commodore 64. Um, my dad brought that home, I think it was in the fourth grade, and I was I was hooked pretty quick. <laughs> Lots of memories of reading through the uh, assembly language opcodes and writing uh, CBM basic. It's good times. Yeah, good times. Uh, but I mean, fourth grade, you, you never played? You started to hack, you know, immediately or? Well, there was a lot of game playing for sure. We, yeah, a lot of, uh, a lot of video games on that thing, but, uh, eventually started, yeah, started trying to write software, figuring out how it works. And when it flipped, when it flipped from playing games to writing software or to desire to program something, you know, I don't know. I was always a pretty curious kid. Um, and I remember probably the, the earliest memory I can think of is how did they do that was, <laughs> was uh, an old Ghostbusters game. Uh, when they made the computer talk to me, like how in the world did they do that? So I, I set out to uh, try to figure it out. I never quite got to that level, but uh, I think that was probably uh, a big part of it. Just wanted to figure out how in the world they made the little machine do that. There was a Ghostbusters game with a C64. Oh yeah, it was fabulous. <laughs> I never heard it. So interesting, huh? Yep, I think you can find the ROM somewhere, or maybe uh, maybe some videos. But it was uh, I spent a lot of time on that one. That was a good one. Okay, so this was the beginning of of programming, Ghostbusters. Yeah, probably it was okay. a a big influence. Yeah. <laughs> so, and uh, what was your first, I would say, piece of software which worked, besides you know Hello World? Earliest, most complex thing I can think of was a really bad DOS screensaver. Okay. Um, my first. PC was, uh, was an old 286, 8 megahertz, 2 mega RAM, uh, had a turbo button that would go all the way up to 12 megahertz. Um, and I wrote a, uh, wrote a screensaver using, uh, the old, uh, x86 assembler code and it worked pretty well. Um, if there are any screen updates, it kind of poked through. <laughs> okay. So it didn't quite blank it, but it would blank the screen and then restore it later. Uh, when you hit the keyboards. I was pretty proud of that. Okay. That was late high school, probably. Okay. And uh, the, the basic adventures, there was nothing reasonable. So what you did with basic? No, I I don't recall anything real significant with okay. basic. We did, you know, there was a Run magazine, if you're familiar with that. Mm -hmm. It was a, an old uh, C64 magazine that ran for years and years. Um, they would have program listings in it. Uh, okay. So we would get those and sit for hours typing in the source code. Uh, and run the program. So I would, I would kind of tinker with that and uh, just try to understand what was going on with some of that. But no real significant basic programming okay. for me. And then you go to two eighty six just because why 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 you got the computer? Well, that was uh, I think it was my sophomore year in high school, and I was just ready to you know the well I guess the PC revolution was was well underway, but uh, the sixty four was was kind of old by that point, and was wanting to move up to something more modern. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, with the help of my parents, I, I bought it uh, on credit. <laughs> okay. Uh, which is which is not prudent, uh, but I did it. Um, so I bought that just to kind of step up into the a more modern world of computing and jumped right into uh, Assembler on that, uh, which was kind of a natural progression from some of the stuff I was studying on the 64. And Pascal 64 was probably my first... Um, High-level language. Uh, so there yeah, was no no just... no gaming on the PC. Uh, well, there was probably a lot of that too. Okay. I, uh, certainly, uh, once college rolled around, I, I spent a lot more time playing games than I probably should have. But uh, <laughs> still, uh, a good deal of hacking on that for sure. Yeah, but this um, it's an unusual, right? So for a kid, you know, to start hacking. So this is why why I always wait, uh, want to know why someone, you know, starts to programming if there is another opportunity to, to play games. Yeah, I mean, I, I did both, but, uh, you know, there was a lot of my free time was driven just by a curiosity of what, what made it work. Um, you know, like my my first real introduction to databases before I had any, you know, formal training mm -hmm. through the university was um, I, I'd kind of pick a project that scratched an itch of some sort um, and like, well, that needs a database. So I, I downloaded an, uh, a very early version of Postgres. I can't remember what version it was, but mm -hmm. uh, so I learned how to install and manage a database and 
uh, creating tables and querying all that. And it was just a, just, I don't know, just a, a curiosity wanting to, to mm -hmm. make a machine do something useful for me. Um, at the beginning, Postgres was called differently, right? It was not Postgres. There was a different name, I think. Wasn't... Uh, well, that I don't recall. So I, I would have to, to to look it up because I also use Postgres, yeah. but I don't think it was called Postgres. There was a different name so earlier. So we, we, I would have to check it up and, and, and okay. um, in, in worst case, you know, put it to the show notes. Okay. So, yeah. um, so you... You used it 286, and your first uh, program was a screensaver. What happened then? So you stick with assembly, or you know, if you've done any assembly, you know it's it's hard to do stuff mm -hmm. uh, interesting in that. And um, you know, I, I got the Pascal compiler and was uh, starting to work through that. Really, uh, I think from there I moved into Delphi. Okay, if you remember that yeah. from Borland. Uh, did a lot of work with Delphi. I actually uh, had a job doing that professionally at one point, which was uh, kind of nuts. Um, but I did move on to higher level languages. Uh, it was primarily uh, through the university with C at the time. Mm -hmm. uh, we did a lot of C. And of course, I mean, we went through COBOL and Scheme and Prolog and some things. Um, and I actually did a fair bit of PHP okay. in college. That uh, was uh, a lot of that was a, uh, a, a practical consideration because it was really easy to deploy PHP. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, you just upload it and run. Um, so I did a lot of that. Um, yeah, that and C, um, C++ was actually my, or C was my first professional language, uh, right out of college. Um, and then moved to C++, uh, in another shop. Uh, and then finally, uh, on to Java. Okay. So, um, but it was always clear to you that you would like to study computer science. Yeah, I think so. Uh, you know, from an early age, I just, I was fascinated by the machines and, and loved working on them. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I, I entered uh, college as a computer science major and and never really looked back. Okay, so you enjoyed your college life? I I did. Uh, I had a good time. I mean, I, I studied. Uh, I worked hard. I played some video games. And, uh, but, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was a good four years for me. Okay. So uh, what you did during your college time, so some, some leisure projects or just, you know, studying and uh, what is your first, you know, job after the college? So what was the transition from college to work life? Okay. Well, <laughs> I worked a lot through college. Uh, okay. So there wasn't necessarily a whole lot of leisure time. Um, uh, I worked at a grocery store, so it wasn't anything real exciting. But um, I did my senior year as I started looking past college. I uh, I worked in the, the computer lab as a PC tech, basically. Um, so I, I had a little bit of uh, hands-on networking stuff, which was fun. But um, as I, when I graduated college, I, I moved, uh, went to work for Walmart, uh, mm -hmm. doing some C programming on a uh, decision support system. Okay. Uh, DSS, um, working with uh, the logistics teams, writing. Uh, writing C code with some really uh, arcane uh, input data and things. So uh, uh, yeah, so so college itself was a lot of working my way through college, uh, leisure when I can get it, um, and then just straight into the working world. Um, I did actually work for a uh, an internet provider in college. Okay. Uh, my senior year, uh, doing tech support for uh, for dial up modems. Uh, oh, this sounds this sounds fun. Uh, it uh, <laughs> you know. A lot of the calls are exactly the same, so you, you kind of get to the point where I would I'd literally lean back in my chair and just close my eyes and picture the screens and walk them through it because you'd see the same screen, you know, 10 or 15 times a night. And um, But I got to write some uh, TCL, if you remember that, yeah. uh, a Scotty script, doing some SNMP work against the, the modem banks to get connection speeds and times and things like that. Mm -hmm. So when users would call, it would say, I'm having trouble with my modem. I can't stay connected. We could ask the modem and say, oh, you've been online for two and a half hours. Uh, that kind of thing's helped troubleshoot um, uh -huh. uh, people and hardware. <laughs> um, but this was fun, so right? Was, this was like, you know, like oh. cy cyber feeling, like metrics almost, right? Oh, yeah. It was awesome. Yeah. Uh, I had a great time doing that. Uh, figured out how to make it work. Um, what is your favorite? Yeah, was, uh, what is your favorite modem back then? So I had the robotics, US robotics. I remember. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep, I had a US robotics. Um, we, as part of my work there, I was, uh, I got to participate in the 56k mm -hmm. trials. If mm -hmm. you remember that, going mm -hmm. from 14.4 mm -hmm. to 56. So I had a, 
uh, a, a USR uh, external modem flashed with the, the firmware. Um, and I, at one point, had that online for two weeks straight. <laughs> we had an extra uh, landline in our uh, in the house I was running, so running that constantly and mm-hmm. uh, loved uh, loved that modem. It was uh, it was a very reliable machine for me. Was it US Robotics? No, you said something different. Yes, yeah, yeah US Robotics. Yeah, yeah okay. Mm-hmm. So it also looked yep. nice. So I, I also liked the modem. Do we have some German modems? Mm-hmm. With uh, Elsa, I think was the name. So, but uh, okay. I, I never used them. I uh, always had the yeah. U- US Robotics one dial up. Okay. Yep. I- interesting. And the DSS, the decision stuff on at Walmart, it sounds almost like AI. You know. It was a little bit. Uh, it yeah. Didn't, uh, it didn't make decisions for us, but it was. Uh, it, it helped uh, present data to people that were planning uh, store capacities and and shipping routes and things uh, mm-hmm. that that sort of stuff. It was. For the logistics team as they tried to plan trucking mm-hmm. routes and and what to put on the truck and that kind of thing, so it was interesting. Um, I was there for for a year, um, and uh, a lot of that stuff was uh, was kind of over my head at the time. So it was uh, it was definitely a, a learning experience. I, I I learned a lot, but there was a lot that I just had to kind of kind of accept or take to move on. Okay, um, but it was a, it was a very neat, uh, very good environment. Which year was it roughly? Uh, that would have been 1997. Wow, so Java was already around. Yes, um, but there wasn't any, not in my area of of Walmart. There, there might have been. It was, there were I think 1,500 people mm-hmm. in the information systems division. Oh. Um, mm-hmm. So my area was, it was uh, C running on Irix oh. Unix box against mm-hmm. an Informix database. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was very, and it it had been around for quite some time. But okay. Um, yeah, no Java there for me. Okay, what was your next job then? Well, I moved to uh, a, a guy I worked with, uh, left the company and started another one and uh, kind of recruited me to join a, it was a medical records retrieval. Okay. Um, that's actually the name of the company, um, where if you apply for insurance, you would submit some information and then this company would then contact the various medical providers mm-hmm. to get those records. We would scan them and send them to the insurance company. Um, so our job was to uh, modernize the system they were using. It was, I want to say, it was a FoxPro based system. Okay. So they had these little, you know, databases sitting on people's workstations, uh, and we built up a team that built a uh, kind of a, a workflow engine mm-hmm. that uh, would uh, track the progress of of requests in the system. It was a C plus plus system. Okay. Uh, uh, running against an Oracle database uh, on Windows, um, okay. it was uh, I was pretty proud of that system. It was it was pretty complex um, and had a lot of smart people working on it. Um, and we needed a user interface for that, obviously for the uh, customer service reps to, to use. And uh, we were using Borland's C plus plus builder. Mm-hmm. For the back end stuff, but that didn't seem real appropriate for uh, for writing GUIs. I mean, you can do it, but um, there's a lot of you know manual mm-hmm. memory management that we're trying to avoid. We didn't want the GUI crashing too much, so that's when we we brought in JBuilder, ah. uh, another Bor- I was a big Borland fan, so, <laughs> um, so I was, I was built, also a uh, Borland fan. But I thought you would start with Delphi. It was very similar to JBuilder, but JBuilder was great actually. Which version three, I yeah. suppose, right? Uh, I I think that, that sounds right. Um, it was uh, like Swing one one or something. Yeah, yeah. It was um, uh, it was early on. Um, although we were using, I guess uh, they didn't call it VCL. Was it JCL? Maybe? JBCL, Whatever I think. JBCL, so like uh, Java Boland class library or something like this. JBCL. Yeah, something like that. Um, so yeah, we we built the UI in that, and it was certainly faster to develop than than C plus plus would have been. Uh, it was still pretty slow, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Java on the desktop wasn't uh, wasn't fast, but it worked well for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Java was close enough to the C plus plus code that it was easier for us to kind of port some of the libraries we had rather than kind of starting over with with Delphi. Uh, I think is and most of the people in the shop had a C plus plus background, so rather than trying to teach a bunch of people Object Pascal, uh, we uh, we picked up Java. And uh, transition was was pretty smooth for most of us. What I remember right now is uh, I uh, attended a conference and there was a Borland speaker, 
and he was proud of the how it called two-way you know two-way uh, um, development so you he could start to you know with uh, code then move to the visual editor and back to code back and forth uh-huh. and i say it, it works very well i can you know change the code whatever i like and i say okay then delete please or rename the jb init method this was the crucial you know <laughs> i remember he did it and nothing yeah. worked you know this was this was oh, the, yeah. <laughs> this was my i think the one and only hack you know because he was so yeah. arrogant actually about that so okay mm. let's and i had lots of trouble with uh, jbuilder back then and it's okay then yeah. um just you know jb in it i remember exactly the method but um yep. i really like jbuilder and um it was actually excellent it looked looked nice i still remember you know the there was like a strip with all the components at the top of the um, of 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 the uh, IDE, and uh, yeah. it, it it looked nice. It 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 you know everything was nicer than the others, like the splash screen and you know the mm-hmm. design of the IDE and uh, renaming started to work. So at one point of time, refactoring worked even. You know this was a yep. big deal back then. Yeah, we looked at. I think Visual Age for Java was was a thing back then, and. Visually, yeah. Edge for Java was even better regarding refactoring, but the problem was you never saw the entire source code. So, uh, yeah. Visual Edge for Java stored the source code in in a database actually. So, uh, we had a huge pro- project, and they have huge performance problems because of that. Yeah, yeah. It seemed like it had a weird UI too, where you had to drag lines to connect things or something. It was just, it was unintuitive for us. So. Um... We went, uh, we went JBuilder. But it still, was a, it was a great tool. It was, it. I would say, 20 years ago, and the IDEs were great. That's the point, mm-hmm. you know? So it's not like uh, this was yeah. like, uh, you know, uh, text edit. It was it was actually really, really nice. And uh, it's not like a lot happened since then, right? It's not like if you, if you say, yeah. we had, um, if, if, you, if you would show someone a JBuilder 20 years ago, and then now the current IDEs. It's not like you know there's a huge difference between right back and and now. So of course their refactoring is is is, is nice and they are faster because the machines are faster and Java is faster. Mm-hmm. But uh, it is not like a revolution. It was more like an evolution. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, much more polished for sure. Yeah, but yeah those are the IDEs were fantastic. And and I mean the, Visual Studio Code it become is, is uh, becomes more and more interesting. But um, the other IDEs they are very similar to you know. Uh, let's say Sun Java Workshop back then, or what we had, JBuilder mm-hmm. or Visual Studio. No, so uh, Visual Cafe also from Symantec, you know, was also mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. So you did a lot of stuff with yeah. JBuilder, didn't you? That and uh, it, it worked well for for you. You said it did. Yeah, it worked real well. Um, it was kind of sad to to see that one go. <laughs> I guess it, it might still be around, but. Um, JBuilder. I think I know Delphi is JBuilder. No, the problem was uh, Eclipse. Uh, Eclipse, ah. Eclipse came up, came out, and yeah. uh, and the refactoring in Eclipse was way better than in JBuilder, and uh, yeah. this was reason for me to switch from JBuilder actually to Eclipse because refactoring was very good at the beginning, yeah. and there were no plugins. You could just you know at the beginning, so you could just you know pick Eclipse. Yeah. It was very very fast, and what mm-hmm. JBuilder did then, JBuilder became a set of plugins on Eclipse. Oh, so, that's right. So what that's they right, did, yeah. and this was a this was crazy idea. And then they just focus on uh, they renamed themselves to how is called Embarcadero or something like this. And yeah, I think Enprise. In Enprise was think... the enterprise, and Embarcadero was I think the um, ALM application lifecycle management. And they say, okay, we okay. are no, no more IDEs. We are uh, this was yeah, and then nothing yeah. happened, right? And um, yeah. They also joined forces with Together, I think, in one point of time, right? It's Together Soft UML tool. There's also like a JBuilder plugin or something. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, so, um, yeah. what happened afterwards so after your successful JBuilder project? Uh, well, uh, the project was successful. The company was not quite so much. So, um, so I uh, moved on from there uh, before the company. It kind of the the dot com bust in the early two thousands. Yeah, uh, took that took that company out. Um, or late nineties, two thousand one was the problem. Um, yeah, I think that's right. Uh, so I, I moved on. To, that's when I moved on to that Delphi shop. Uh, oh, okay. There was a uh, is a Hobby Lobby. Uh, it's an arts and crafts company here in the in the states, and they had a, a back office application that the stores used to enter uh, all their sales information. So, enter on the Delphi app. It would save it in a um, Paradox database, okay. and then. <laughs> Uh, we would FTP data to okay. servers at the office, and it would get processed. So, um, 
so that was my primary responsibility there. Um, did a little bit of Java there. Um, wrote a SOAP web service using oh. Apache Access. Um, and that was actually probably my first real foray into um, open source work. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, obviously, I'd been using it. Um, but we had an issue. I was, <laughs> I was writing a SOAP web service to interact as a, as a go-between uh, for an AS400-based mm-hmm. DB2 database mm-hmm. and a .NET client uh, external. Um, so we had someone building a website using .NET C Sharp. So this web service was kind of intermediary uh, inside the firewall. Uh, but there was some sort of a bug in the Access2 library. So I downloaded the sources, made the change. can't remember if I submitted it back upstream or not, but... Uh, but that was, I think, that's the first time I can remember making a change to, to an open source project. But this was uh, later than 2001. You mentioned C Sharp and Access Tool, so it was. I, I, I think it might have been Access One. Yeah. And it's it was it would have been. Uh, somewhere between 2001 and 2004 or five. Mm-hmm. But it might have been yeah, Access One. Sounds right. Mm-hmm. I think it was C Sharp they were using. I know we did some C Sharp at Hobby Lobby, C Sharp One. It might have been DB.NET on the outside. I don't really know. It was a .NET. Uh, I know for sure because I uh, know the guy that wrote it. But um, yeah, so uh, kind of hacked the source code there and kind of fixed our bug and got the got the system working. Yeah, C Sharp uh, was uh, came in two thousand earlier than I thought. Okay, um, so it could be C Sharp. And um, yeah, I also had some concurrency bugs with Axis, but I didn't like Axis, so this was the problem. The soap was a problem. For well, yeah, I, I did not enjoy soap at all. Yeah, <laughs> but it was it was the only realistic option uh, for us at the time. I mean, there's there was Corva and things like that, um, but going through the firewall across multiple yeah, exactly. systems. Exactly. This was the huge problem with Corba. So I also, uh, I was very excited about SOAP because in Corba, we had always, you know, to ask someone to open the ports and manage the firewall for us. And this was like mission impossible. And with SOAP, we could basically hack the system. So we can, you know, talk uh, via port 80 and and there was nothing to open. So I really enjoyed, but I didn't enjoy SOAP. I enjoyed the XML XML RPC. So, you know, this was a predecessor of SOAP. And mm-hmm. it is more like, it looked like remote procedure call where it's actually what blocks are still using. So you can send, you know, XML and say invoke this mm-hmm. method with this parameter. So it was nice. It was like RMI yep. over XML, I would say. And, and SOAP yes. was crazy because what what they could do is, you know, the routing and stuff would no one used, but it bloated the entire spec. So it was just way too mm-hmm. big for me. Yeah, yeah. I actually... Um kind of jumping ahead a little bit, but uh, was involved in a, a project with the uh, Federal Aviation Administration as a as a contractor. And we had SOAP web services okay. that were sending large XML documents as the payload. Mm-hmm. So we would take this XML document, you'd have to encode that, mm-hmm. and then wrap it in the SOAP envelope and, mm-hmm. and send that across the wire. And uh, it's just not, not efficient, not fun to work with, um, but... Yeah, and in one point of time, they came to to, to to the conclusion or idea that you can actually send binary XML over SOAP. This was, uh, I forgot the, the, the names, okay, but this become, you know starts to be crazy because the whole idea of XML is to be readable. So if you send, you know, binary mm-hmm. XML over the wire, then, then why not just send, you know, binary data over the wire? This was a crazy right. times, okay. <laughs> so... Um, yeah. Perfect. So, uh, what have, what's interesting? You started with Java and moved back to Delphi. Usually, it's the other way around. You know, someone starts with Delphi, then goes to Java. So, you, unusual yeah. path. So, and after well, Delphi, yeah. you stick with Delphi. So, you enjoy Delphi. Actually, you did some work with Java. What was your, you know, uh, opinion about, or what was your um, perception of of Delphi after after Java experience? Having used both Delphi and JBuilder a lot, mm-hmm. uh, Delphi was just so much faster. Yeah. You know, it it compiled to, to native code and mm-hmm. uh, is optimized for the platform. Um, you know, the development experience was largely the same. You had that same great little uh, toolbar, mm-hmm. drag and drop, and mm-hmm. um, 
So um, I, I really did r- love writing desktop apps using Delphi. Um, but, uh, you know, at, uh, when I was in college, we did everything on a Unix box and I was, I was really, and still am, but very big into, uh, portability, you know, not a big fan of vendor lock-in and stuff. And, and I knew Delphi was, uh, was, was pretty, uh, pretty locked into Windows. There was Kylix for a while, uh, that ran on Linux, but that never really took off and, and died eventually. Um, so that, that's really kind of what led me away from, from that and, and more in, into the, the Java world. Um, you know, like C and Unix is really kind of really where I got my start in any significant, uh, mm-hmm. development work. Okay. Um, so for me, the portability of Java, uh, kind of, kind of won out there. Mm-hmm. So what happened after your Delphi experience? Uh, well, I left there, uh, yeah, and this actually is probably where our paths started to meet, um, went to work for a, a local, uh, air conditioning company. Mm-hmm. Uh, they make large, uh, water powered heat and heating and air units for hotels, casinos, office buildings, uh, hydrocoil, I think is the term. Uh, but it was, uh, it was mostly a Java shop. And it, it had a, uh, just a, a complete smorgasbord of technologies at play. There was, uh, there was a struts app. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was, uh, some swing apps, some custom frameworks, uh, at play. So, um, when I got there, we kind of started the process of trying to standardize on, uh, a platform so that we can move from project to project more easily and, um, supporting it would be easier. Uh, and that's when I started looking at, uh, Java EE and, oh, there was some spring, uh, mm-hmm. uh, in the mix as well. Um, and we started looking at, uh, different frameworks and trying to figure out what would work best for us. And we, we ended up, uh, settling on, uh, Java EE, although it was J2EE at the time, I okay. believe. Um, and Glassfish. That was okay. uh, when I first started working with Glassfish. Uh, so we, um, you know, we, of course, we didn't rewrite applications, but anything new, uh, we would typically use, um, I don't remember, uh, JSF for sure, and I think Hibernate for persistence, and we would deploy on the, the Glassfish server. Mm-hmm. You remember the version? Uh, was two or three? Uh, I think it was going to be two because mm-hmm. I think I ended up working on three. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe it was Glassfish two, mm-hmm. um, and you know CDI wasn't a thing yet. No, mm-hmm. um, uh, but Web Beans, uh, familiar with that? Mm-hmm. Uh, remember that? And uh, uh, Seam, JBoss Seam, we kind of experiment with that some. Um, so yeah, and that's that's when I, I really started getting involved in. Uh, uh, the JCP and the Java community a little more fully there. Uh, started working on the uh, Mohara project. Uh, the but but why this? I, if, if you work for the company, why, why you started to know to be involved in JCP, for instance? Well, uh, I wasn't working for, for Sun just yet. Um, I was working, you know, it was for the for the air conditioning company. Yeah. But um, we had, you know, obviously we had interest in the spec doing certain things for us that it, okay. it wasn't yet. Um, so, um, I got permission to start working on some of those things. Um, and we, uh, I think we, we developed, there were some JSF components that we developed and released as open source as, as you know, part of our effort to give back, um, a nice company. So, seems really like, it, was, so is it, it was like a, is it a huge air conditioning company or, I mean, um, it it was I mean fairly large you know a few hundred employees it's not okay. like thousands but uh, it was kind of a, a small uh, IT shop we had probably less than ten people in the shop um, handful of developers and manager because it's unusual uh, so yeah, that, we, that, that you could actually participate in the open source and in the specs right so it's actually yeah a nice touch yeah well the, yeah uh, the my immediate manager Mitch is a great guy I'm still friends with him today super super sharp. Um, and uh, eager to you know to give back and support those kinds of things. So it was a it was a good good environment for that for sure. 
So, and, and you started to participate back then in JCP and JSF, or? Yeah, I, I don't remember the timeline uh, exactly. I don't think I, I didn't join. Eventually, I joined the expert group, um, but I was uh, working on with the implementation, just like submitting bug fixes okay. and doing uh, kind of community work. Mm -hmm. And eventually, that um, that increased over time. Mm -hmm. uh, eventually, actually leading to a, a job offer from Sun. Okay. Uh, stemming from my experience there at uh, at IEC. Actually, nice, right? And uh, what interests me, yeah. what was actually the experience from you know the uh, wild framework framework lands landscape to J2E? Was it like a smooth transition, or you like it so it was productive? Or for me, it it, it felt pretty smooth. I yeah, you know, I liked it. I think the other developers uh, mostly did. Uh, you know, it's, yeah, sure. Uh, I don't remember anybody complaining, um, but uh, it. It helped, uh, I, I think, a, a lot just in terms of allowing us to support. You know, someone may write an application over here, then have to work on that one, and you don't have to uh, come into it trying to figure out what in the world's going on here. What are we using? Um, you know, it was a it's the same set of tools and same basic project structure, so it was super easy to um, uh, come up to speed on uh, on a different application and make a change and get it deployed. So everything was consistent and. Uh, it was just, it was real nice. So actually, uh, today I delivered a keynote at a conference and um, there was a few sentences about Java E and MicroProfile. And I thought, you know, why I actually like it? Because uh, I could actually do whatever I like. So I could just pick and choose the libraries and, and, and it will still work. But why I like it is because um, if I get a contract job or whatever, I can just, you know, pick this dependency and I know that is everything included. And then the step mm -hmm. two is to think about the business problem. So uh, yep. why I like it, I don't like, you know, the fiddling with all the plumbing, uh, which will involve, yep. you know, to evaluate all the APIs. And I think um, this is why I think the Jakarta E or, or MicroProfile or similar APIs are so productive because, you know, you get everything at once and you know more and you try, you know, to, uh, to implement something with this, what you have. And uh, so mm -hmm. you constraining yourself a little bit because, you know, you wouldn't do crazy stuff like, you know, Akka or, or actors or whatever. So, no, we just, you know, focus on this, which is doable with the API, but you become automatically more productive. This At, at least my experience. Yep. So this is why this is actually hard to explain. And uh, there was always a discussion, though, but Java is too, too big. It's like, yeah, I don't care. I don't have to use everything. So for me, if it is you know, right. small enough and fast enough, so I don't have to look at all the APIs. I just, you know, pick whatever, whatever I have. So this is yep. maybe my explanation that, why I like it. Yeah, and we found that to be the case too. Like you know, we had Spring and all that. And one thing I liked about deploying to uh, something like Glassfish was was everything was there. You know, I don't need to go hunt down this library. And and Spring at the time, as I recall, was was a little less polished than it is now. You mm -hmm. know, trying to get different libraries working together sometimes is difficult. And there was a lot of XML in Spring mm -hmm. at the time. They were, I think, it was about the time they were really transitioning to annotations. Mm -hmm. um, but with uh, Java EE, uh, it was um, had already made that uh, annotation switch for a lot of, uh, for a lot of that. And then, of course, everything is built in there. You've got persistence and transactions. Yeah. Uh, we had remoting capabilities if we wanted to. Um, you know, Glassfish had at least. Uh, kind of basic clustering if we needed it. So all of that was kind of baked into one. So we, we could just then immediately focus on what's the business need we're trying to solve. So exactly. that was a, it was a huge win. Yeah. yeah and uh, then you already used the Java E5, which was uh, mm -hmm. annotation driven. So there was no XML. So in my project, it's just XML disappeared, except of course, uh, a little CDI, you know, persistence uh, and persistence XML, mm -hmm. of course. Interesting. So, and um, yeah. And then you started to work for Sun. So you got an offer from Sun, or what was the story behind it? I did. Well, you know, I had uh, been very active in the Glassfish community. I think that's where I think you and I really first crossed paths with the Glassfish champions in 2006 or whatever mm -hmm. that was. And then, you know, I just I was, was active there, active in the uh, JSF community. And uh, Ken Paulson uh, from the Glassfish console contacted me and said, hey, we've got a job opening. Uh, are you interested? And I so I said, well, sure. <laughs> and uh, so that, that open source work, that community work kind of transitioned into going to work for, for Sun uh, on Glassfish itself. So it was uh, uh, one of the, I, I say one of the highlights of my career. So it was uh, 
Sun was one of those uh, kind of bucket list kind of companies for me. Uh, yeah, so it was, uh, it was uh, something, something it was, uh, special. I never worked for Sun, but for me it was also special in all the entire environment. I really like it and enjoy mm-hmm. that. But there was not Glasswish Champions. What 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 I won one time an iPod because I f- I found a lots of bugs, Glasswish bugs, and they were not okay. called Glasswish Champions. It was uh, like you know NetBeans had this um, where. NetBeans, how NetBeans maturity or whatever. So where before you know the release, uh, they are uh, the community searches for bugs and and Glassfish had sim- mm-hmm. similar stuff. And they were um, maybe we met there uh, back then. Okay, it was um, around two thousand and six. Yeah, yeah. And then you started yeah. to work at Glassfish V three immediately. Mm-hmm. Yep, worked on the the admin console and did some of the uh, REST administration uh, for Glassfish. Did that for, uh, I guess, three years. Um, so you worked with Ludo? I did, yeah. Uh, Ludo, I'm trying to think. Um, Ludo, Anissa, uh, Bill, um, Shannon, mm-hmm. um, Arun Gupta. Um, and I'm going to forget. Uh, but yeah, a lot, of, a lot of really sharp people. Um, and how uh, was the environment back at Sun? It was a great team. It was a, a nice environment and... How was it back then? Yeah, I, I loved it. Um, you know, and some people say it might have been the downfall of Sun, but it was very engineer driven. I mean, we had PMs and things, but uh, kind of driving things, but uh, they let us kind of work on things that made sense in our little area. Um, there wasn't a lot of micromanagement. Um, we didn't have a lot of meetings necessarily. Uh, it was a, it was, it was a, it's a good. Uh, creative uh energetic environment uh, uh-huh. in my part of, of of the organization yeah it was also revolutionary it's also my perception you know because uh every conference something happened so there was the java minus jar glassfish.jar you know the uh this mm-hmm. thing and uh and the osgi modularization then the grizzly project you know with the uh with the yep. comet so it was a, a huge stuff which I, I mean glassfish was huge and very very uh innovative back then yes yeah it it was uh uh, you know, I, I was just doing the console, um, but it, it was, it was, it was fun and exciting being part of such a, uh, a high productivity, uh, creative team like that. Um, but uh, it, learned a lot. Mm-hmm. But the console was uh, important. Uh, for instance, I back then yeah. I used Glassfish mainly because of the console. So Whitefly didn't mm-hmm. have such a console, you know, back then. It was right. uh, it was nothing comparing to to Glassfish and Glassfish had uh, the console was not only usable and nice it also had the performance uh, you know flow I forgot what what the name was where you could um, back then you know see what the performance of the application server it was very usable and and professional mm-hmm. so, uh, what you did yep. with the console so what was your task uh, well I mean we we kind of worked on all sorts of uh, on on every part of it i know i did a lot with the uh the connection um the jca uh, okay. java connectors and stuff um did a lot on that um and except we it's kind of all over i actually did a lot of testing on it as well okay. uh there was um, a lot of javascript under the hood mm-hmm. <laughs> that had kind of grown up um organically and it was it's kind of a mess <laughs> okay um uh, which I mean, that just kind of happens in a, a, yeah, a sure. large project. So we tried to rein that in a little bit and write some tests on it, some automated tests using Selenium. So I mean, I spent many, many weeks on that trying to get testing going so that we could have uh, a little more confidence that we hadn't broken something. Um, so I did that, and then I worked uh, actually, I think, with Ludo uh, doing uh, some of the REST uh, admin stuff that underlied a lot of the uh, the console. Um, yeah, what I remember is. Um... What I wanted to have is that uh, you can get the metrics via REST interface. And I had mm-hmm. a chat with Ludo, and Ludo said, okay. And then he was on vacations, and after two weeks, he said, now it's done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Here is it. It's like, you are crazy. And uh, and so, yeah, no, yeah. I was on vacations. Okay. So this was like, you know, crazy, <laughs> crazy time. This is what I really remember. I am. Mm-hmm. He did something with annotations where he could automatically generate from the uh, from the uh, M beans, I think, the REST interfaces. Uh-huh. This was his his work back then. 
Yeah, uh, and I worked with them on, on some of that uh, for like the admin commands. Mm-hmm. We would actually scan the class path and find any admin commands that are there and generate uh, at at runtime the, the REST endpoints and deploy those. Mm-hmm. So you know, Glassfish was very modular. So if if you wrote some sort of an extension for Glassfish and added that, then it would automatically get exposed via REST. Since so we were scanning the system using HK2 and things to identify those and and create the rest endpoints. We had a lot of conversations at Java 1 and conferences, but actually why? So I, I just try to remember what was our discussion point because I liked actually the console. Hard to tell, right? So why we always yeah. interacted at the conferences. So what was our topic back then? The console or have you had you questions about projects and I explained what I do in my projects or what was, you know, the our interest? I've, because I've, every conference we had yeah. the chat, always. Uh-huh. And yeah. uh, and I just try to remember now what was uh, my problem that I always ask you to, or, or or ask you you know what or I just maybe I know talk about projects or best practices with Java E and they say okay I don't know but it was interesting that actually we always have yeah. a, had inter interaction and at all Java mm-hmm. ones actually yeah yeah I don't I don't really recall what those early conversations were but they go they go way back what what I remember is the uh, there was a guy called Raminder Singh. Raminder Singh. This was the first conversation regarding okay. console, because he was in charge of uh, the performance uh, part in the console, and I had okay. some improvements. And there was my very first conversation with the Glassfish team, and this and he was really really nice. So see, he was you know supportive and and said, okay, this is actually a nice team. So I didn't expect something like this, and then mm-hmm. um, and then maybe. The second, you know, conversation was with you because of something in the console. I, I, I can just imagine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, nice. Yeah. So, wh- what happened then? So, you, so, you, so you worked for three years at Classic V3, right? Yes. Well, they Oracle bought us. Um, I don't know, not quite a year and a half into my tenure there. So, I did a little bit of work on WebLogic, and and then just decided it was time to move on. So, um, I joined uh, a company called NetSuite. Uh-huh. That's a large uh, ERP system working on their uh, an e-commerce solution. Uh, there was a, a shop here in Oklahoma City uh, called Element Fusion that NetSuite had purchased. And um, so they were porting their uh, content management system to the, the NetSuite platform. Is it Java? Uh, NetSuite so platform? Was, uh, yes. Uh, okay. But the Element Fusion platform was C-sharp. Ah, okay. <laughs> so... Uh, so some sharp developers working on that, uh, no pun intended there, but um, they didn't know Java prior to that. So um, I was kind of brought in to help provide some kind of senior Java experience on that. Um, so I uh, spent a uh, little over six years there. <laughs> Two years after I joined NetSuite, Oracle bought NetSuite. So I was back at Oracle. <laughs> but now it's uh, Oracle NetSuite. Um, but yeah, uh, but spent... Uh, a uh, little over, uh, I guess maybe a little over five years uh, working on the, the commerce system there, uh, all in Java. Um, and that was, it was an interesting environment. Uh, our part of the system was a lot of JavaScript and some Java on the back end, but the bulk of the NetSuite system, uh, very complex, uh, very large system. It's been around since 1998, I think. Okay. So a lot of the code there predated some of the Java standards. So, um, and then really some of the use cases didn't fit real well with the, the EE APIs anyway, so persistence and things. Okay. A lot of homegrown stuff still in the system. Um, but working with that uh, for a while and um, and then, again, just kind of felt it was time to move on. So I actually uh, did a contract uh, gig for about a year doing Kotlin and Spring. Okay. Um, doing some IoT work. Uh, pretty neat system. Uh, real uh, Real sharp. A uh, group of people, uh, Staple Kernel, based out of Atlanta, Georgia, um, building a uh, a system for managing uh, uh, dispensers in uh, in restrooms, hotels, airports, uh, soap, paper towels, and things. Uh, they would report their status. Hey, I'm out of product. Hey, I'm jammed. Uh, so they could look at a, a mobile app and figure out what they need to go address, what they need to refill, and that sort of thing. Almost Genie, uh, right? You remember Genie Java Intelligent Network infrastructure back uh-huh. then, right? Yep. Uh, it's it a, a really cool system. Uh, Kotlin Spring uh, deployed to, to Azure. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I have to do some uh, uh, 
I'm drawing a blank on the database there. Di not Dynamo. That's Cosmos Amazon. DB. Cosmos, yeah. yeah. Got uh, got to work with Cosmos and some other Azure properties, and uh, so that was uh, that was good. You used functions uh, or or containers, ACI or functions or Azure App Service. Uh, we did have some functions deployed. Um, uh, I think I think they were written in Kotlin, um, but we did we deployed uh, our Spring apps in a. Uh, Kubernetes or Docker containers. Okay. To, okay. AKS. The, mm -hmm. Azure Container Service. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, yeah. I wasn't involved. Yeah. Uh, I didn't do as much on that side of things as I would have liked. I'd love to have gotten deeper into the, the DevOps side of that. But um, yeah, very, uh, very cool. Um, but uh, and then uh, Mark Little contacted me uh, at Red Hat and mm -hmm. um, about a position. And I took a while. Um, we started talking for a little bit and then COVID hit and it kind of shut down hiring. And then when things started opening back up um, late last summer, um, finally able to, to work out a deal. And I finally joined uh, the Wildfly team at Red Hat uh, last November. And that's what I'm working on now. So, uh, so you're working on Wildfly right now. I am. Yep. No Quarkus. Uh, not, uh, not directly. I, I work some with them, but um, interesting. So I didn't my, knew that. I thought yeah. you you had just joined to know Red. I, I I thought that you immediately joined Red. I didn't knew you know all the journey that you, now you you are a, a, a fresh you know uh, Red Hat employee almost right one year or something. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah, hey, one year in November. Yep. Uh, great news. Yeah, uh, so what uh, do you do with Whitefly? I uh, I am the component lead for uh, the microprofile metrics and open tracing components. Wow. Uh, which means um, I, I mean, the, the primary responsibility there is, uh, you know, integrating the, the libraries and making sure those work well for both Wildfly and EAP, working with upstream communities and projects, kind of make sure that, uh, you know, if we have any needs out of the software that we kind of get those addressed or um, trying to help uh, play a part in the community Mm -hmm. steering those products um and i also uh am the the component lead for um well we just added open telemetry support okay. uh, in wildfly 25 uh that's i believe is shipping today wildfly uh 25 final uh if it's not out yet we're uh we're burning the bits right now um and uh hopefully for wildfly 26 don't quote me on that but we're going to try to get micrometer support okay built into uh, the, the base wildfly um, so I'm working on integrating that right now. Um, I uh, own the Beam validation integration. So, and, and all of that, it's it's kind of the, the same uh, the same story. I I integrate, I maintain that, uh, make sure it works well. Work with the upstream communities um, uh, to try to make sure our our needs and interests are uh, are met as as well as they can be. You know, in a in a community driven project like that. Um, and then, you know, uh, Red Hat management um, is, is real good, uh, a lot like Sun, kind of letting us work on on things that um, uh, that are of interest. You know, obviously we have certain things we need to do for, for products and for customers, so we need to make sure those are met. Uh, but um, if there are, are other areas that we'd like to investigate or work on, uh, you know, as long as we're, we're meeting those other requirements, we've got a, a great deal of latitude to investigate that so uh, i get to i get to spend some time on Quarkus and um you know kind of looking at some archelian stuff here and there uh, as we need uh, bug fixes and things mm -hmm. like that so uh kind of got uh, uh irons and a bunch of different fires are you actually reusing something from small or uh small metrics or you're building everything from scratch so the the metrics in jboss is this an own open source module or you are is it based on small the uh Micro profile metrics and open tracing are based on the small RI projects. Mm -hmm. Open telemetry, we uh, we're just consuming those APIs, uh, those artifacts directly from the open telemetry project. Okay. And uh, micrometer, uh, what I have right now is also consuming upstream directly. You know, there's some discussion in the micro profile community uh, what's going to happen with the metrics, um, with the metric spec there, and how does it relate to micrometer? And those questions are kind of open, so there might be some. Uh, some need for a, a small rye work kind of mm -hmm. integration or glue work there. But right now we're just consuming those uh, directly for those two projects. 
um, completely different question, but um, yesterday there was the AirHex TV, so it's like monthly show where I answer all the questions uh, in one hour. And there's one question mm -hmm. regarding Jakarta and uh, Spring. And uh, there was a post from Jürgen Hörler that they have basement alignment Spring in Jakarta E. And someone in the in the comments said, "Okay, is now Spring implementing Jakarta E?" And Spring said, "No, we are not uh, Jakarta E. We, we are not implementing the specs. We are integrating the specs." And then mm -hmm. I thought about that. But um, if you take a look at Whitefly, for instance, I would say Whitefly is not implementing all the specs. You are also an integrator. So right now, you know, the open telemetry, you are just consuming the SMAC. Smorai, mm -hmm. you are using the Smorai, you are not implementing the metrics by yourself. Hibernate, JBoss just uses Hibernate. And of course, the entire package is certified. But I would say all application servers are more like integrators. I don't know whether mm -hmm. there is one application server which implements all these specs from scratch. So they are always integrating external stuff, right? Right. So I, I don't even know a fair assessment. Yeah. So what is actually the difference then between Spring and Whitefly? Uh, well, yeah, I mean that's a good question. Um, certainly, there's Co conceptually, you know, from from the architectural perspective. Of course, mm -hmm. Spring is more than Java E, so you have far more modules. But Whitefly is also more than Java E. You can use I don't know Keycloak, which is not a part of Java E. Um, so I would say it's, it's similar, right? So for me, I, I just read this yesterday and I thought about this, but even though Payara, they uh, have some small right, Open Liberty the same. They, they, they pick some Open Liberty, mm -hmm. something they, they implement by themselves. And Cumulus EE, I don't know whether you are aware of this runtime, they go just mm -hmm. wild. They have a lots of modules like, you know, Ethereum and, and, and ETCD integration with, I would say, they are very similar to Spring then. So I don't even know what the distinction is because you could actually say now, if Spring would integrate all the Java E modules, then this configuration could be even Jakarta compatible, right? Yes. Uh, you know, you're getting some weird issues there, I think, with TCKs and, and yeah, sure. they don't say that publicly. But uh, I think uh, just from the hip, one of the, the, the big differentiators is, uh, of course, deployment. You know, yeah. spring, um, you know, how do you run a spring app? Uh, yeah, but yeah, yeah, but Cumulus the same, Quarkus the same, Helidon mm -hmm. the same. It's very right. similar. Yeah, and even JBoss, I think the Whitefly is able also to run a jar, right? Yes, with a bootable jar. Yep. Um, but if you're running like the full Wildfly or EAP server, yeah, uh, you know you can run it in st standalone mode. Um, so you get uh, there are a lot of services that are built into the application server that you know if you're running a single microservice, maybe you don't need. But if you're running a, a, a more complex application or if you want to actually want to deploy multiple services to a, a single container uh, a little more hybrid model um, you get you got a lot of management functionality from application server and then when you go into domain mode you can control yeah, sure. know, multiple application servers but this is already um, beyond so, jakarta e right so what you are des describing it, it is, is, is a right. whitefly feature it was just not curious because you did the, you just mentioned yeah. you work with spring boot and kotlin and now whitefly and i thought okay this is a, could be an interesting discussion because uh for me every application server is integrated and they have you say the domain mode mm -hmm. is just ad additional feature like in spring you could configure the entire spring with groovy for instance also additional features i mean everyone does you know interesting yeah. things so this was just interesting thought yesterday because someone asked me this and i say actually um i don't see a lot of difference right now um and it's a little bit marketing maybe right so yeah, uh, yeah i think it's it's probably mostly like runtime and management types of things that are the big differentiator there because you do get a lot of uh api overlap between the two for sure yeah and uh what's your i mean Whitefly was always huge with uh, monitoring. So you could monitor you know, all lots of the stuff. Um, and you could even, you know, you go through the um, JBO CLI, you can, you know, mm -hmm. fetch the metrics there. So what are actually the functional features now, uh, new features in 25 and 26 regarding monitoring on, or open tracing or whatever? Is something exciting here or just, you know, more standardized? Yeah, well, with 25, uh, we do add the open telemetry support, um, mm -hmm. open tracing, and on the, the metric side, not a whole lot has changed there. Okay. Um, but we, you know, I, it's it's hard to say, you know, long-term, given the uncertainty around those open tracing or the micro-profile specs, but, um, you know, the uh, industry seems to be moving toward open telemetry, 
micrometer and that sort of thing. So we're, we're trying to, to set up Wildfly and EAP as, uh, as good options for people that, that want to use those in, in their environment. Um, in terms of other features for Wildfly, uh, 25, uh, it, uh, it'll run on Java 17 now. Okay. Uh, I believe we've, we've, we've crushed all those and we're trying to, uh, get things set up on the security side. We've removed legacy security and kind of getting ready for the, uh, possible removal of the, uh, security manager mm-hmm. from the, from the JDK. Mm-hmm. Um, that's going to be a, a, a thorny issue, I think, for a lot of, yeah. <laughs> uh, a lot of application server vendors. Um, but, uh, a lot of work there. Um, trying to think, uh, I'd have to look at the change log to, to see for sure, but uh, those are the those are the big ones that I that I've at yeah. least been. This is the problem. Exactly in. the same. Someone asked me yesterday, "What is my favorite you know, Java 17 feature?" And it's hard to tell because I use all the time Java 16, and there is not a lot <laughs> difference yeah. between 16 and 17. You know, so if someone asks you mm-hmm. such a question and you work entire time with Whitefly, it is hard to tell. You you don't know exactly you know what was before 25 and what is 25, right? Mm-hmm. So if you you just see right. you know commit after commit and then the release comes, someone asks you what's new so i got no idea because i'm working all the time Ah. with that right (laughs) yeah i don't know when it landed but yeah yeah Yeah. Uh, um but um actually great news so whitefly is doing really well so something happens or something Mm -hmm. happens a lot with whitefly and uh lots of commitment here yeah Mm -hmm. yeah a lot of a lot of work going on Uh, a lot of certainly internally a lot of uh, a lot of energy and excitement going into it and big plans for uh, 26 and beyond, and of course that'll lead into EAP8. They're trying to finalize the plans on that with EE10 support. Uh, looks like EE10 is finally moving along at a good clip, so mm-hmm. we're trying to get ready to get ready to support that. And Jakarta namespace changes, we've got to get that supported. Uh, mm-hmm. I think we're going to try and get that into 26 if that makes sense. So uh, any plans with GraalVM or is this or or Mandrel or is it like too hard? Uh, none that I'm aware of. Okay. Uh, that would be. We do a lot of reflection in an application. Yeah, server. yeah, yeah. Uh, so I think uh, GraalVM would be uh, would be a tough one to pull off. We, we need Ludo again for vacations, you know. So Ludo needs uh, yeah. two, two weeks <laughs> vacations and do it, do it. Yeah, see if he wants a, a short term contract. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he could probably pull it off. He is a very sharp guy for sure. A nice guy. So I had him on the podcast. Yeah. He works on Google App Engine. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. one uh, question regarding micrometer or micrometers is h- hard to pronounce for me. But uh, what mm-hmm. I don't lo- like at all is, you know, the fact that, or what I liked in microprofile metrics were the scopes or registries. You know, you had application, mm-hmm. vendor, and base. And in micrometer, everything is flat. Which is yep. uh, not nice because uh, if you're an application developer, I was all, only interested in my application, how it's called scope, right? Or registry, you know, this, uh, or namespace, mm-hmm. the application namespace, yeah. and I ignored everything else. And I'd already yeah. chatted with the Quarkus people and say, yeah, but you could do this. But yeah, I, I know I can do this, but I have to do this, right? With micro profile mm-hmm. metrics, I already got it for free. So this was the point. Yeah. So uh, what's your take yeah. on that? I don't, I actually, to be honest, I don't understand still the excitement around micrometer because it is, I understand if you are a vendor, it is more flexible and you can provide your own metrics. But um, from the Java, I mean, Javaistic point of view, I'm only interested in my business metrics. You know, I only would like to have my application namespace and nothing else. And whether a vendor is happy or unhappy, this is actually uh, the job of uh, of, uh, the the application server provider or vendor, right? Yeah, you know, honestly, I've I've not done enough consuming those metrics to, okay. to really have a, a good a good opinion on that. Um, certainly now, uh, you would have to get a hold of that registry and then filter out what yeah. you want, which yeah. is more work for yeah. the, for the application for sure. Um, it it seems like, at least from the wildlife perspective or the MP perspective, we're we're kind of exporting these to some kind of a collector Jaeger or whatever, and they all kind of get dumped together. It seems like uh, for the most part. So um, your, uh, your kind of downstream collector seeing them all uh, anyway. So, um, but I, I don't, I don't have a, like a, a personal opinion on okay. uh, whether or not that's, that's a good change or, or not. <laughs> but what I did usually, I, uh, for instance, I performed uh, black box tests or system tests. And then I mm-hmm. you know, called via REST interface the metrics endpoint and saw whether it is actually working as expected. 
this is one of yeah. the use cases in lots of projects. So, and if the endpoint is no more there and I have to implement it by myself, it's a little bit more friction. It's not like, you know, um, and, and, and this is a part of code, which I don't like to see because, you know, this is the only plumbing I have with the metrics. I actually recorded a screencast and tried you know, to play it with it, but um, I'm, I'm not happy with it because this is not, it's not convention over configuration. It is actually configuration yeah. over, over, over convention. So I'm just you now searching for the use cases, why everyone is so excited about micrometer. And for me, it's just, I mean, it's maybe low level plumbing. I would say micrometer yeah. is maybe, you know, the base, like um, JDBC is the base for Hibernate. And mm-hmm. uh, and then the microprofile metric should use micrometer to expose, you know, the namespaces. This would be the proper approach. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that get how that plays out yeah. uh, in the on the, the spec space. But I know um, I don't know if you know Aaron uh, Schnabel. I think yeah, I hope I yeah. didn't butcher her last name uh, from the the Quarkus team. She uh, she has uh, uh, a lot of uh, really good technical reasons why she prefers micrometer over yeah. uh, the profile metrics. Uh, so she'd be she'd be a really good resource. She's got some uh, she's been working with the technology a little longer. And she's got some good practical yeah. uh, reasons why. We had already chat on the on the podcast about that. So um, okay, yeah, okay. because she had a session with the I forgot the card game with the monsters. Uh, and, was it Dungeons and Dragons? Yeah, exactly. And yeah. Uh, yeah. and we had a talk about that. And uh, the she, she there were some bugs in microprofile metrics. Okay, but no. Um, but she really likes micrometer, so um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, and, yep. and she no likes. Um, my understanding was they had lots of requests from the vendors because not everyone is Prometheus, and there were other formats. And micrometer yep. can can provide it out of the box, and micrometrics was more Prometheus based, right? Yeah. Yep. And I think there was some some issues even there with the MP metrics export format wasn't quite prometheus compliant or something there's something that's yeah that wasn't quite right uh on the output side of things that was that uh, was problematic as well yeah okay very so uh what is the next you know exciting you know release of whitefly if or what do you are most excited about well i, I except we uh uh from we your perspective switch the branch over to work on wildfly 26 so we're going to get to start uh, looking ahead to EE10, mm-hmm. um, and part of that is going to be that we got to get everything converted to the Jakarta namespace, mm-hmm. and then we can start consuming some of those EE10 APIs as they uh, as they start being produced. So uh, I'm uh, I'm kind of a sucker for for new and shiny, so I always like to see new spec revisions, <laughs> okay. see uh, see what's coming out. So uh, I'm I'm anxious to see where EE10 goes, and then what. Uh, what we can do with that as we integrate that into Wildfly and, and EAP. Uh, EAP eight should be a uh, should be a good uh, big release uh, for the product and mm-hmm. bringing lots lots of new technologies. So. And any plans to go more towards how, how it's called uh, the jar you know deployment like you know Corcus like feeling or well I mean we we've got the bootable jar support yeah uh, that, that and it's definitely got uh, it's got management buy in so that, you know that wasn't uh, wasn't something one of the engineers kind of sneaked in there and we're just kind of, you know, hoping it lasts, but it's uh, PMs and everybody are, are on board with that. So I, I, I expect we'll see uh, long-term, uh, well, I hate to say support because I don't want to no, no. <laughs> commit Red Hat support to something, but uh, it will be available <laughs> long-term. Okay. Um, we'll, we'll, I don't think we'll, we'll ever get away unless EE moves, but we'll never get away from, uh, you know, ear and war deployments and kind of things but oh, sure. I, I think the the bootable jar um is uh, is something that wildfly will will see uh, supported for a long time coming it uh, would be bootable war maybe you know would be also interesting like, that's true yeah like uh, <laughs> like jenkins yeah oh well i forgot about that that's a throwback i haven't uh, i haven't had to deal with ci in a long time so okay <laughs> thankful for a good devops department now, are you a Fender fan, fanboy? Uh, I do. Uh, I, I do love that that Fender. Uh, that was an anniversary gift for my wife uh, last year. Twenty years. Uh, but I'm also a big fan of the uh, the German made Warwick sitting there right beside okay. it. Okay. Uh, so you're playing guitar. This is. Uh, those are bass guitars. Yeah. yeah. All bass guitars. Uh, okay. Uh huh. Which kind of yep, music are you playing? Spring. Well. Uh, well, I say primarily, almost exclusively. I play in my church's uh, 
orchestra and uh, and a praise band. So um, a lot of a lot of orchestral type stuff. Personally, I listen to to, to rock and metal, so I, I like. To, ah, this is know, what I, I wanted to say. I was like, okay, is it yeah. uh, church? <laughs> is it like heavy metal? And so, <laughs> what I did. It's not a, not a heavy metal church, no. Uh, but I do like if I need a break, I'll uh, um, pull out some music and, and play along uh, with uh, something you might hear on the radio as best I can. So um, okay. So I, I think from Metallica, for whom the bell tolls, right? So something like this on the bus. Oh man, I wish. <laughs> no, it's a hard. Burton is right a little above me. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah, he. Uh, yeah, Cliff was good. I'm. I'm no Cliff. <laughs> yeah, but Cliff. Uh, I mean, the, the next guy. The, the the third guy now, right? The Cliff was the first one. Then the next one came. Yeah. Jason Newstead. Jason, yep. ex exactly. Uh, but yeah. you are better than yeah, Jason, I, right? So. Well. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm gonna go and say no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> I would like to be, but uh, it's hard to compete with someone that does that professionally. Yeah, um, sure. It was just just yeah. fun. So it was really <laughs> nice to meet you again. Now, yeah. So all the memories. Yeah, yeah. and um, and yeah. Uh, for you, it's almost like you know, from Glassfish back to Whitefly. It's, it's it's very very similar. I would say environment, right? It is in a lot of ways. Um, you know, the the product is is the same but different. Uh, but uh, it's it's a great. Uh, technical environment, uh, management super supportive, and there's a lot of a lot of freedom to experiment and, and learn. And um, I'm s surrounded again, uh, as, as usual, with uh, just really uh, really sharp uh, and friendly uh, engineers that I get to learn from and, and contribute with. So uh, it's 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 good. I, I like it a lot. Have you maybe met some uh, you know glassfish or sun people from your team back then, or are you alone? Uh, well. Um, of course, now that you ask him, I'm going to blank on his name. John um, Klingen. Klingen, yeah. Uh, he and I talked some of the micro profile stuff. Hey, nice. Um, okay, yeah, exactly. John yeah. was the was the manager for for Glassfish, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, John's a good guy, so it was good to be able to back up with him again. And um, of course, a lot of the uh, a lot of the guys I worked with at Sun seems like are either at Google or Microsoft these days. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, but there, there are a lot of people that uh, that I met through the JSF work uh, over the years that, uh, that I've gotten to put back up with on a uh, in a professional setting, you know, on the same team and things. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's been kind of fun to meet back up with them for sure. Thank you. Where people can find you on the internet, you know, Twitter handle and well, I am uh, Jason D Lee on Twitter, mm -hmm. and uh, my website is jasondl.ee. Oh, uh, that's very I good. These days, uh, yeah. So. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so uh, Twitter and my blog are, are primarily where you can find me. Thank you very very much. Well, thank you, Adam. It's been a pleasure. Good to see you again.